Well, good evening, Trinity. Great to be with you. Um, as uh, Jay said, I'm Simon. I'm on the leadership team here. And I'm just thinking about your 17-day haircut. I'm thinking, I must be on like 60, 70 days now. So I'm, I'm overdue. And uh, the, the weather's not helping. But uh, yeah, next week, that's a job. Um, and yeah, what a great thing to go and pray for youth going on to be students, to be adults, to be the next thing. Um, it was just great to be in the middle here, and I'm getting this fragrance come up. It's all about fragrances. Uh, it's not the best fragrance, so I think it was more like sweat and something else. But yeah, it was still good to be in that and to be praying for people going on to the next thing. And I remember being 18 and being commissioned out the same way. Um, and just the words, the pictures, the things that are said that you might think of a throwaway statement. But in that moment, it was powerful, and I still remember them to this day as I went on to uni and things beyond that. So I want to start this evening with quite a few food references. So just know that I'm not actually talking about food in case you start salivating or thinking about your dinner that you haven't had yet. Um, how many of you have heard of this idiom, have your cake and eat it? Oh, there should be a picture to go along with this, but there we are. Have your cake and eat it. And he's, he's eating it. He's had it. Um, this is very similar to Caleb. Uh, pretty much what he would do, my son. Uh, he's about two, so yeah. He would look exactly like that. It means to do or get two things we really desire at the same time. Especially things that are not possible to have at the same time. And we use this phrase when we achieve the unlikely scenario of getting the best of both. And it could be it's such as managing to have fun at an event with friends and get all your work done at the same time. Does that sound familiar? No? I'm not going to manage to do that? It might be spending time relaxing over the summer, not studying, and still getting all the grades you needed for college and university. Does that sound familiar? No? Now you didn't manage to get those grades, maybe, or maybe you had to work really hard. They are both unrealistic and rarely are met with the same sort of success stories to accompany them. And this evening, I want to talk about the two things we can have both of, and yet so often we don't get both. These two things form one of our core values here at Trinity. And if you are here with us last week, uh, we covered prayer and worship. Next week is the pursuit of Jesus and the kingdom of God. And this week we will look at the attentiveness of the spirit and our rootedness in the word, one of our values at Trinity. So, word and spirit. My background is really in a very, very charismatic church. And what that means is I come from churches where the focus was to being alive to the gifts of the spirit. And such as we see in 1 Corinthians 12, where the gifts of healing, of prophecy, um, interpreting tongues, so it's like other languages that we speak in a spiritual sense. And these gifts, are op we operate in them freely. We can, they can bring life, they can bring freedom to the church, to its members, and you could say that this side of the church is being spiritually aware and walks confidently in those gifts, and that is what a trinity is attempting to do as we stay open to the gifts of the Spirit. It's like... We want to have loads of that fizzy pop, but too much fizzy pop, and we get a sugar rush. We crash. 
and that brief sugary relief disappears as we crave some more sustainable food. And some churches and some Christians will prioritize the word of God on one hand, the Bible, and they will state that the value of the word would say that when they preach the Bible, it speaks for itself. It, you just speak it out. And the trouble here is that it can come across as quite dry, quite stale, a bit like a piece of bread. And whilst it can sustain you, and we, you know, we like a bit of bread from now, now and again, but it's a bit of a rigid structure to church that we get. It has little flexibility, and it means that others will see this church as being religious, as being inaccessible, and it could be that it's used to even separate the intellectuals from the uneducated, and maybe from the people with good works who are doing all the right things, but are still sinners. There are still sinners on the other side. But the news is, we're all sinners, aren't we? You know, we can't, we can't attain something through good works. So the Holy Spirit is essential, and it brings life to a diet of, say, meat and potatoes. And our bodies, they do need meat and potatoes. We need the Word of God to feed us and sustain us. But sometimes the Bible is presented as steak and chips, and it's got a bit more of an interest to it. And sometimes it's just a meal that we eat because we know we have to eat it on a regular basis. It needs, we need food. It may not be exciting, but we need it. If we don't read, if we don't absorb the word and feed on it in our hearts, how will we mature? If we're new to the Christian faith, how do we know what to eat and how much and how often? 1 Peter 2 verse 2 says this, Like newborn babies, we long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. So Peter is saying that we should long for the Bible, we should yearn for it, we should yearn for the word, but appreciate that it's in those, uh, it is for those in their infancy, it's for those of faith that is uh, lower almost, but they're still growing, they're still learning, and they're trying to grow in their faith and understanding of this newfound salvation, what does it mean, what do I have to do with it? How do I act? How do I change? What behaviours do I drop? What attitudes do I pick up or drop? And there's a lot of change. And they're not ready for a diet of meat and potatoes. <laughs> they're ready for milk. It's like they are an infant and they need their mother's milk. They need that, that nurturing in those early years. And we've all been there, no matter what age you were when you, when you met Jesus. And I apologize to the vegetarians and the vegans in the room. Um, bear with me just a little bit longer. A little earlier in Hebrews, uh, in five, chapter 5, verse 12 to 14, it says, we, uh, it speaks our need to be taught the foundational building blocks of faith in Jesus Christ, despite our years of faith. And the message translation writes it like this, by this time you ought to be teachers yourselves. Yet here I find you need someone to sit down with you and go over basics on God again starting from square one, baby milk, when you should have been on solid food long ago. Milk is for beginners, inexperienced in God ways. Solid food is for the mature. And so this evening we will be looking at a life lived where we are attracted, attract, sorry, attentive to the spirit and rooted in the Bible. And it's when we say rooted in 
that we mean it forms the basis of what we do. It is to equip us and mature us, to feed us from the roots up, but also to keep us really stable. If you imagine a tree by a river needing to hold on to that bank to prevent it collapsing, and a tree planted in an open field that needs to stand against the winds and storms that may come. Then you have a pretty good idea of what we need from the words from the Bible. And it's those two key words, words and spirit, that we need in order to have relationship with Jesus. The Bible tells us that he did, and the spirit leads us into what he is doing right now. And the Bible also teaches us that of what he will do in the age to come. And the Spirit then reveals to us in part of what those things might be. So let's open up some scripture. If you've got a Bible with you, if you've got a, an app, if you haven't got either, I'm sure there's Bibles on the side here if you want to, to look them up. And we're just going to skim through the first few chapters of John. So it's the fourth gospel of the New Testament. Now, if you've read the opening verses of the Bible, all the way back in Genesis, we see that the Spirit in Genesis 1 verse 2 was hovering over the surface of the waters. And there's this capital S there. And therefore, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, not talking about any other spirit. And it is present right at the beginning, before the world's even created. <coughs> And then in John 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Already we know the Word and the Spirit were there in the beginning. But we can also see that there is that kind of intertwined, the Word is Jesus, the Word is God, and the Word is Spirit. And if we turn over a page or two, you'll read in John 3, verse 6. John 3, verse 6, where Jesus is explaining being reborn as a Christian. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. And, and also in chapter 4, verse 24, on the next page, God says... Uh, that God is the spirit and that they must worship him and worship in spirit and in truth. And this brings me to my first point this evening. Of that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And we see two spirits being mentioned here. This capital S, Holy Spirit, and this lowercase s, spirit, which is referring to our human spirit. And Jesus is everything, isn't he? But whatever he is, is altogether the Holy Spirit. He is the life-giving spirit, and he is in our spirit. Within those who believe in Jesus, the two spirits, the divine Holy Spirit and the human spirit, they've been mingled together as one. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship in lowercase spirit. They must worship from within. So it's still a choice. It's not going to just happen because the Holy Spirit's in us. We have to almost step in, engage. We have to 
posture ourselves, as we were saying earlier. We have to uh, ready our hearts and all those other analogies for getting ready. But it's, it's on our terms, isn't it? We, we can choose whether to engage with it. This is often referred to as being co-heirs with Christ, where we share in the inheritance because we're born by the same spirit, the same source. We share in all the rewards of heaven and with others born by the spirit. We can be baptized in water, big tank behind me. We can be baptized in water as a sign of cleansing, renewal and rebirth. And we can be baptized by the Spirit as a sign of that co-joining. And it all happens at once. We often baptize people here at Trinity, young and old, uh, infant and adult. And after we pass by chapter 3, as we go on to chapter 4 and then get to chapter 5, and we read in verse 24 and 25, chapter 5, 24 to 25, It says, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. And a time is going where the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. So if we had not been reborn, we would be dead. We have crossed over from death to life. And the Spirit gives life to those who hear the word So we actually have to hear it. So there's lots of people in the world who haven't heard it. We have to believe in God, who is the Spirit. But we hear it first. So we are not only have the Spirit, we have the Word. We not only have the living Word, but also the written Word. And Jesus says in John 5, 46 to 47, to the Jewish people, to go and study the Bible. For if they believed Moses, i.e. that's the Old Testament, they would believe in Jesus also. This is because Jesus was prophesied in Scripture about the timing of his appearance, the circumstances for his birth, and much more. Jesus is saying, if you don't believe what Moses wrote about me, then how can I convince you that I am him? If they did not believe what was already written... How could they believe what was coming from his mouth? So it's fundamental to our Christian walk that we actually believe what this says and we stand by it. We can't edit it, we can't omit something from it that we don't like, we can't add something that we think's been missing. Praise God that we have the written form of the Bible today that has been under threat many times to be burnt, destroyed, removed from society, and yet we have it in written form today and have the education to read it. Translated from Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek texts, there are countries that have had to smuggle in Bibles, and to possess one would be rare. And we are fortunate to live in a country which still allows the Bible for now. So we have the Spirit, we have the Word. By the Spirit, we can experience Christ. And by His Word, we can know Him. Third point is that the Word is the Spirit, and the Spirit is the Word. So in chapter 6 of John, verse 63, Jesus makes these two things one. 
It is the spirit that gives life, for the flesh counts for nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are full of the spirit, or full of the uh, life as well, full of life. And so Jesus reveals that the two are one. The word is the spirit, and the spirit is the word. And there's also a verse in Ephesians, in Ephesians 6, 17 to 18, which tells us that the spirit is the word. It says, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, in which spirit is the word of God, by means of all prayer and petition, praying at every time in spirit, lowercase s, spirit. So again, it's a conscious choice to pray. It's not going to just happen if we think about it. So the spirit is the word. Not only is the word the spirit, but the spirit is also the word. How do we wield the word? Well, we're told to take the word of God by means of all prayer and petition. This is pray reading. We must not take the word of God by merely just reading it, but by prayer and by all prayer. Prayer is the power of word and the spirit coming together. And this means using all types of prayer. And there are different kinds. There's intercessory, declarative, uh, petitioning, and so on. And the way that we wield that sword may be to cut down. It may be to commission. It might be to stamp the authority of Jesus into a situation. And sometimes we just need to take the word by praying quietly. Sometimes we need to pray aloud. And other times we need to shout. Sometimes it's a really short prayer, isn't it? It doesn't need all the words that we have. God knows what's on our heart. Sometimes it is a long prayer. And we really need to almost emotionally just let go, almost vent. We see in Psalms, David just vents sometimes. He just prays and yells at God almost. Um, But he's passionate. He cares. He cares about the relationship with him. So sometimes it's useful to do long prayers. Sometimes we need to pray and we need to read alone. It's about the solitude, isn't it? It's doing what's unseen. It's not about showing off to your friends about how much you've read this week. Actually, getting into a quiet place is just for you and God. No one else is going to know. But you'll know if you haven't. Sometimes we need to do this with one or two others and actually encourage each other partly because it's just difficult to remember to pray every day or the habit's not really formed yet. But it's also to encourage one another. It's to lift each other up. And sometimes we need to do this with a large congregation in church. We need to pray as one. And there's power in all of those. It's not that one's better than the other. But there's a time and a place for each. But the principle is we must take the word of God by means of all prayer and petition. It also tells us how we must pray, praying at every time in the spirit, our human spirit, which is full of the Holy Spirit. So we're praying the words of God, the living word, but it's spirit, spirit-filled. And our, holy, our, our human spirit is connecting with that. It's an exercise, isn't it? 
we have to exercise. We have to exercise the very deepest parts of us. They need it just as much as our muscles and our whatever else you exercise. It does not say in the text, analyze and research the word. It just says, take it by praying in the spirit. And Andrew said this morning that it is important to analyze and research things and study and delve into the word, get the commentaries out. Obviously, that's important. But here it's just saying, just take it by praying in the spirit. You don't need to understand it necessarily. Just read it in the spirit. Connect the two. Connect with Jesus Christ through the Word and the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Word in our hands, the Bible, which we speak out using both simultaneously. They're not two things, they're just two sides of the same thing, of one thing. Within us it's the Spirit and outside of us it's the Word. And when the outer side of the spoken Word gets into our spirit, it becomes the spirit. When the inner side comes out from our mouth, it becomes the word. When we have our cake and eat it, we have both word and spirit. Christ today is the spirit and is in the word. And we carry him in our spirit to the ends of the world. The great commission to spread the good news of Jesus. And there may be some of you here this evening who are going on to new places, new things. We've, we know there's five of us here at least who are going to various universities and colleges and places of study. And you're going into a brand new sphere of influence where you haven't got any sphere of influence. You're starting from scratch all over again. No friends, no connections. You don't even know the best place to hang out or what it's famous for or anything. But you're going to get to know those things. You're going to make new friends. You're going to have an adventure that's beyond your wildest dreams and you can't predict any of it but you will be carrying one thing the spirit and you'll take that into the places you go into the people's hearts that you meet and you can be salt and light you can shine brightly in those places for them and make a difference and spread the good news of Jesus there's a song by Jeremy Riddle uh, that we sang this morning. It's called Fall Afresh. And the chorus um, is Spirit of the Living God, come fall afresh on me. Come wake me from my sleep. Blow through the caverns of my soul. Pour in me to overflow. As I invite the, the band to come up again, um, I wonder if we could sing this during our time of ministry. And God's just been speaking to me about two things. Some of us have an imbalance of word and spirit this evening where maybe we've never experienced the Holy Spirit. We've never had that, that touch of the Holy Spirit where he comes in fire, he comes in wind, he comes and refreshes like water. Maybe we've got a space in our heart. It's open, it's cavernous. And I think Jay was saying that earlier, that we talk about having space in our heart to offer up our, thanks, our thanksgiving and praise, to allow this fragrance to be poured out. Why don't we do that this evening? Why don't we come and with our open heart, our open hands in posture, receive?
receive of the Holy Spirit as we go into a new term, into a new adventure.